Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I have a treat for you. We are going to hear just a fantastic e-commerce brand story. I've got two co-founders of an amazing company uh, on the show today. These are guys that I know. I know their product and their, their company intimately. We actually help them with some of their marketing. And so I've gotten to know them over the years. And I'm just delighted that you'll get to hear behind the scenes of their story. Lots of lessons that you can learn. I think you'll be inspired for maybe a next uh, your next uh, evolution as a company. So all kinds of good stuff. Hey, Brett Curry here. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to talk quickly about YouTube ads. People ask me all the time, what makes for a great YouTube ad? And it's true, the ad is the hardest part for getting YouTube to work. Now, I love the campaign structure. I love audience targeting, and I love tinkering with bids and using the smart bid algorithm. And I even like budget management. I like all that behind the scenes stuff. But I've seen it time and time again where the exact same campaign structure just limps along with a mediocre video but you get the right video with the right message that resonates with people, and that same campaign structure just takes off. It scales. And so over the last couple years, my team and I, we've been collecting good YouTube ads. We've been watching, we've been paying attention, looking at our own clients, looking at the numbers, finding what are ads that resonate and work on YouTube. And so we started building this little guide, this little guide that we use internally. And we started categorizing ads and giving them fun names like the manifesto and the UGC mashup and the have it all. And so we started kind of breaking down what elements in these videos make them work. And so I was speaking at a recent event, and I just happened to mention that this resource existed, and uh, people sort of clamored for it. Like everybody was like, hey, I wanna see the guide. I wanna see that resource. I wanna see all these successful ads. And so that's what we've done. So we put together this resource, kind of first time ever, gonna share it with a broader audience. It's free, so check it out and get our list of winning YouTube ad formulas with lots of examples. Let this be your inspiration for your next killer YouTube ad. So this is a free resource. We'll link to it in the show notes to this show, but you can also go to omgcommerce.com, click on resources and then guides, and it's the YouTube ad templates and guide. Check it out, and I hope it inspires your next killer YouTube ad campaign. And now, back to the show. I would like to welcome to the show co-founders of Original Grain watches Andrew and Ryan Beltran. Ryan and Andrew, how's it going, fellas? Hey, you know, yeah. Good an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, man. Really <laughs> excited to have you guys. And uh, in all sincerity, I am a fanboy of the watches. We can talk about specifics later. I own a watch. My son owns a watch. We, we are big, big fans. Uh, and so lots we can dive into. I think it yeah. would be uh, interesting to... To, to hear the story of how you guys got started. And we'll also talk about, you know, what's going on in the world today. Because as, as we record this, I think we're all in, in uh, coronavirus lockdown. Yeah, and, uh, we're in the thick of it here. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting time. So I think there's, there's some things we can talk about to, to help folks navigate the, the waters right now. Definitely. But if you would, guys, kind of tell us the origin story. Why why start a watch company? And so, so you guys started in 2013, correct? 
2013. Um, we actually launched with it with a Kickstarter through crowdfunding, but um, well, we're brothers. So I guess the story starts back in 1991 when Andrew was born. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we're two years, we're two years apart. Two years apart. Uh, so you're the older, you're the older, wiser brother. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, I'm the older, wiser. Andrew got the the looks and the height, so I don't know. You know, you know, got to get, uh, you got to get something here. So. Andrew's showing the profile, showing the beard. The, yeah, yeah. The yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So, so, so seriously though, but as you guys were growing up, like, did you talk about being in business together? Did you guys like, you know, have a lemonade stand or something like that? Yeah, I was talking about this last night. We had a few little small businesses, you know, as kids. Whether it was mowing lawns, you know, or just like even power washing houses. That's our a great business, the lawn mowing business. Yeah, our dad was a painter. So every summer we were, we were painting houses and kind of just working together. We're kind of a tandem. We always did everything together. You know, Ryan always led the charge. I was always hanging out with the older kids. So I felt cool. Um, but yeah, we, we played ball together, you know, grew up playing sports. So, uh, we, you know, coming from a small town in Oregon, there wasn't this whole, okay, we're going to launch, uh, you know, global watch company. Um, right. But, you know, right. We, we did envision, you know, growing up, raising families together. So it's just kind of like uh, a natural evolution, I think, as we grew up. Yeah. It's amazing. I love, I love the, the service-based industry. It's a great, it's a great business to get started. I mowed lawns as a kid. My son did. Great way to, to, yeah. to build some revenue, pure cash business. Um, and so you guys, you said you played ball together. I'm just curious. I'm, I'm into sports as well. What, what kind of ball did you play? Yeah, it, was, it was basketball always growing, you know, growing up, um, you know, our stepdad coached us and uh, I played on Ryan's team all the way till high school. And then, you know, we had some glory days there uh, at Crestville High School. So some good news articles, Belcher and Burroughs lead the way. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that so was like, like, like good state, state appearances and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So. No kidding. I did not know this about you guys. We could... I got to watch myself because I'm not. If I'm not careful, we'll, we'll do just a basketball podcast. Just a, <laughs> X's yeah. and O's. We'll be talking about offenses, back back cuts. You know exactly. I actually got to. So I played in high school. Not I was not at your level. I don't think, but I played, and then I actually coached my son's basketball team. That's the best. So varsity yeah. team. It was it was really intense. Last last two years, I coached. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so yeah, basketball is a huge part of our lives as well. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so cool. So you guys mowed lawns, painted the houses, yeah. wanted to raise a family together. So, so walk us through where did this idea for a global watch company, where did that come from? Yeah. So that one fast forwards, what, 20 years actually on the dot. I, I never start with the 1991 thing. That was a new thing for this show, but I kind of like, like it. I like it. I'm going to use it. You heard, you heard uh, it first. Okay. Yep. Uh, so t- it, actually in 2011, I moved to uh, to Hong Kong, Southern China, really actually in mainland. Um, after graduating from college, we went to the University of Oregon in our hometown, Eugene, and uh, decided that <clears throat> I wanted to kind of try this entrepreneurial thing for real. Uh, start a brand, and I knew that majority of products were made in China. Um, you know, so I felt like it was like a scene from below, like go to the source, but not for that, but for products. And uh, and I'm like, let's just let's just see what happens. And so I, I I spent three years on the ground there, and about a year into that stint, I came across the product, which was a, a wood watch, and I thought, well, this is really cool. This is different. Um, and it kind of reminded me of home growing up in the Northwest wood thing. And, um, I, but I, you know, this can be a lot better. What, what could we, how could I innovate on this a little better? And, uh, thought, well, why not just incorporate wood as a material rather than like this 
felt a little gimmicky to me to like an Hollywood watch. Like a, a fully wood watch. Yeah. And I've held some fully wood watches and, and they do feel yeah. a little gimmicky. They don't feel very weighty or very yeah. real. Kind of a trendy product more so than like something there to stay. And so, you know, that kind of, that's kind of how the idea got sparked. And Andrew, I'll let you take the next part of it because it was really interesting how it happened, but yeah. he was coming through on a deployment. And, and okay. Crazy. You know, it's like a little bit of acts of fate kind of launched this whole thing. Um, you know, I, after high school, I joined the Marine Corps. I was, I was actually on the way home from a deployment. We had two days to stop in Hong Kong. Um, at that time, Ryan had just been to the Canton Fair, which is oh, I think, wow. one of the biggest trade shows in the world. I would love to go. It's on my bucket list. I've not been, but I definitely yeah. will at some point. Gotta go. Yes. Yeah. And when I showed up, he was you know really excited. He had showed me um, kind of a, a prototype of something that we could do. And you know right away, I was in, in, initially just totally attracted to the watch. It definitely reminded me of home um, in the Northwest where we grew up, just kind of that wood heritage and craftsmanship. Um, and I knew right away that was something I loved and he loved it as well. Uh, and But he needed some cash to get started, you know, and uh, Ryan, you might want to jump in. You tell that story. For you. Well, I, I was like, well, hey, little brother, you got a little, you know, extra cash. And he actually did because he's in the Marines. He had, you know, been on deployment. You don't spend any money. So money I think I took, you don't have to pay taxes, cool stuff like that, you know? You know, yeah, so we're both back home that summer. I think he stopped in May and June, July that summer, 2012. So when you're into being out there, I, I came home, we met up, we're out on the lake, we're talking, let's do this thing. Can I get eight or 10 grand? I think it was eight grand actually. That, that was what it was. And we we bought a first little round of, we were going to place a PO. And, and a few months later, I go, what if we were to launch a Kickstarter? And he's like, well, what's Kickstarter? I go, it's a new platform. It's crowdfunding. People like, you know, back your project. It was new. Like there wasn't a lot of like, it was becoming a thing. And and so there's a little bit of right time, right place there. And so we decided that's how we were going to launch. And so we threw it up on Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, 30 days later, we had raised 390 grand. And that's crazy. It like, well, crazy. It looks like we got a business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so two quick things. Uh, one, describe the watches. I know we talked about it a little bit, but... Yeah. Describe the watch and or show one if you have one. Uh, yeah. For those that are watching the video, you know, most people are listening. Yeah. But hey, they, okay, now which one? Uh, so Andrew, which one is that? Is that the... Yeah, this, is our new this is our new uh, Whiskey Barrel line, whiskey actually. Barrel. Yeah, 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 yeah. We just kind of redesigned this collection, uh, you know, integrating wood and steel as always. Uh, you know, Reclaimed Materials is kind of our best-selling collection. So it kind of has that heritage, whether it's Whiskey Barrels, Reclaimed um, Craft Beer. We do some military ammunition crates. We also have a line of MLB watches reclaimed from old baseball bats or even stadium surplus. We've taken wood from the 1923 Yankee stadium chairs. So, so cool. a lot of limited edition kind of batch runs. Um, and then we're able to kind of price accordingly to, to limited edition or just kind of the mechanics of the watch. Love it. Yeah. And then, and then Ryan, what are you wearing right now? I'm rocking uh, one of our automatics. This is our grain. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the so. new, that's the new design. Yeah. Kind of inspired yeah. by Italian sports cars. Do I, do I have that right? It, it's the GT40. So uh, our our recent hire. Well, he's been with us for about a year now. He, he's uh, our lead watch designer. He's from Detroit, and we we was working on our first line. We wanted it to be a little higher end. This one starts at like six hundred, and this automatic so this automatic version goes for like uh, what eight fifty. So he wanted to do something that was inspired by uh, auto, auto automotive. Yeah. He's from yeah. Detroit, right? And so kind of was inspired from the GT40, which is that iconic race car, Ford versus Ferrari, that movie that just came yeah, out. Which is based, amazing, based on movie, that. amazing movie. Yeah. yeah. Great. I love, I actually need to rewatch it. It was so good, but yeah. 
So this and is, I will this I will just say as kind of a as kind of a side note now uh, obviously no one can visit now because of prison lockdown yeah. but you guys have like an amazing little showroom obviously an online business but amazing little showroom yeah. and your offices there in San Diego are fantastic <laughs> uh, just, like like the coolest vibe you got uh, like nitro brew coffee on tap you got you know, the, the watches out so I don't know if it's your motorcycle or somebody on the team's motorcycle but like is there a story behind that motorcycle that's in the office because that is just it's just rad that motorcycle is now uh, cra- been crashed, but it, uh, <laughs> it's, it it's actually has. I've been there. Uh, it's a Triumph. You know, it's a beautiful bike. Uh, it looks vintage, but it's fairly new, actually. But it's actually oh, okay, okay, yeah. I, I thought it was vintage. Yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty rad. Yeah, it's, it's a cool bike. bike. You know, we have a a few paintings. You know, Louis Vuitton's uh, board and surfboard and just yeah, it's just a cool. It's kind of that new age office, you know, space that you a uh, very open and. Uh, a little warehousey, definitely a lot of yep. wood, yep. wood accents, and it definitely represents our brand very well. And everyone yeah. kind of enjoys coming in the work, which is what we want. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Okay, so now people kind of have a picture of the watch, and they've, they've they're watching the video, they've seen they've the watches. Seen it, yeah. So, so then the so the Kickstarter, what what made what did you do? Because you started with, hey, let's let's see if we can figure out how to make this work with eight thousand dollars. Then you pivoted and said, yeah. well, let's do Kickstarter, and you got three hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Why why did you yeah. get so much? How, why did it work? I, I think, and Andrew, chime in after, after I go, but I, I, I think a lot of it, and I've always said this, was just the uniqueness of the product. And, you know, we were, it was a right time, right place moment in terms of the platform and the fact that we, you know, we were actually featured on the homepage for like the entirety of the campaign, more or less, wow. uh, which this day and age doesn't happen. I actually don't even think Kickstarter would allow that. But the way the algorithm worked and the way that our campaign was trending, it was just there. And so we got a lot of organic traffic, but I, you know, look, there's always a little element of luck, if you will. But sure. I think a lot of, I think a lot of it's just, you know, our ability to take that risk and build something that was new. And then the authenticity, I know that's a buzzword, but like of the story was there. And I think Andrew and I did a good job of just like explaining, you know, why this product, um, what's the inspiration. And then the design was, like I said, was, was definitely unique. And um, we, you know, we're selling a quality product and, you know, for a discounted price at the time on Kickstarter. So I think that had a lot to do with with the success of the campaign. For sure. I, I, I kind of add to it, you know, because that was our first campaign and we followed it up with the second campaign that actually did a little bit better. Um, and yeah. during the came, we, you know, campaign, we, we struggled a little bit to, you know, being competitive, we needed to beat the first campaign, even though it didn't really matter. <laughs> but we had yeah. to, you know, that yeah. was just in our blood. Um, and so we really started understanding kind of digital advertising and, and driving traffic to the campaign because we weren't getting that um, organic traffic from the homepage. You know, we were, we were getting certain features. We'd have little spikes, but how are we going to contain a consistent, you know, flow of traffic? Um, which I, I do recommend, you know, a lot of first-time entrepreneurs, it's nice to start on a platform like that because you really can cover your basis and your model um, without kind of like going out and blowing a ton of money. Um, and it allows you operationally kind of get, get, get in control of everything that's happening, all the customer service, all the flows and the macros that you need to build it out, um, kind of bouncing around a little bit. But that was, that was what was unique about the second campaign. It felt like we really had something that we could sustain outside of these, this Kickstarter platform. Yeah, through paid work. traffic. Yeah. Right. I said primarily Facebook ads at that, to- at the, at that time, I would assume. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And, and did you guys rely heavily on a, on a video, a kind of a video telling the story of the product? Was that was that kind of the main piece on Kickstarter? 
Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The first is funny because our first video, Ryan actually shot, shot, cut, and edited the whole thing. Beautiful. And then our second, right. second time around, we had you know a professional yeah. come in and do and do their thing, you know, and that's when really we took our content to the next level as well. You know, started you, you know, hired out some some creatives on the team, one of our first hires, and uh, kind of took that whole the brand to the next level visually. Nice. So you, you kind of hinted at this a little bit, Andrew talked about a few things, but let's talk about the the reclaimed wood aspect of, of the watch. Was that an idea from the very beginning? So, so Ryan, you talked about, you know, wood and steel and the kind of mixing these and not just like this gimmicky feeling, just all right. wood watch, but wood and steel. Was the idea from the beginning to use reclaimed wood or did that kind of evolve later? You want to take that up, Ryan? Sure. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, to be totally honest, I, I don't think we had, had thought about reclaimed wood. Yeah, I think yeah. we, you know, initially we were thinking like exotic, unique, rare sort of hardwoods, obviously sustainable woods. There's a lot of woods that we've, you know, figured out through the process that you either can't find because they're just so rare or you can't source because they're they're on the endangered species list like a brazilian rosewood for example extremely endangered can't can't get it nor would we um and i you know but but with anything you know it once you start you start to feel you go down the path and you know you start looking at different materials and i was you know andrew and i think pretty early on i would say about six to eight months into it started looking at well what other would be other cool Material, wood materials be. We're actually starting to expand into other non-wood natural materials. Grain doesn't have to be just wood. And so sure, we're kind of going to sure. look at that. So we can dive into that a little bit as well. But yeah, and I, I think we the first one, um, we actually, you know, I we've been thinking about um, reclaimed whiskey barrels. And I actually was at this trade show. It's magic in Las Vegas. And I always tell the story for a couple of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is because you never know what's going to come of an opportunity, you yeah. know? So for all the entrepreneurs out there, myself included, you sometimes you put yourselves in these positions where you're like, man, this sucks. Like we're at this trade show for three days. We've got like two retail, this is year one, right? And so, you know, we've got like our posters on the wall and a handful of walked in box and watch it. Like we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. Levi's meanwhile is across the way and they've got like a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> build out and yeah. lucky jeans, fossil. Yeah. And you know, we're like, Okay, so this is how you do it. And so um, we didn't know. And so we, you know, we got a few clients and mom pops, and it was day three. And Andrew and I were like, man, like, was this a waste of time and money or what was the deal? And this guy walks by and he represented uh, Jim Beam Whiskey. And he was like, I really think we should do something together because this is, this is cool. And have you ever thought about reclaiming whiskey barrels? And we're like, well, actually, we, we kind of have. And he goes, well, let's, do something. And so wow. that kind of like gave us, I think that push to just like, well, if Jim Beam is interested in this, then that's pretty cool. We must be um, awesome. Yeah. Incredible brand. brand is coming to us and saying, let's yeah. do a deal. That's a real proof of concept there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of how it kind of like initially just like, it was a catalyst I would say for, for the reclaim thing. And then I don't know, Andrew, if you have anything more to add, but it's definitely just sparked this whole wave of just unique, cool, interesting reclaim material. Yeah, it's the most fun to market. You know, it's the most fun to go out and find as well and, uh, you know, gather up your resources and get behind. And, you know, the whole team gets really stoked when we're, you know, recently we're working on a new pilot, you know, and so 
not not that this is going to be the source that we use, but we had we had to find some materials just to even work with our suppliers. You know, so our designers driving up to LA on this dirt road. You know, it's kind of an experience in its, in itself to find some of these materials, and um, it's just everyone. That's what gets you out of the bed in the morning. You know, it's like okay, what can we create? Yeah, and it's really what, what gets people excited about the product as well. And so I want to talk about some of the other reclaimed wood aspects in a minute. But I want to I want to touch on something you just said, Ryan. I think this applies to, to any business, right? Whether it's e-commerce or, you know, we run a, a service-based business, an agency. I, I can't underscore enough live events or or just being yeah. being with your customer or with other people in the industry. And and because really if we look at like some of the the breakthroughs we've had as an agency, they've almost always come at events because of people we've met, ideas that were sparked, something we saw. Like you just, there's something about that physical event when you're there, you, you see things like the rest of the world is shut out. Um, and it's just kind of magical. And even if you show up at an event and, and you're being yeah. you know, outdone by Levi's and, and you know, yeah. lucky jeans, <laughs> if you're open, like you still probably get an idea or two that could be absolutely gold for your business. I, I love that. I've always been a huge believer in just showing up. You know, I think there's yeah. a Mark Twain quote or something about it, but just, yes. you know, 90% of life is just being showing there. And showing up, up, showing up and having an open mind. And yeah. No. yeah. So uh, cool. So I think the, I mean, the whiskey barrel collection, which Andrew's sporting right now, right? You got the, the whiskey barrel. Yeah. So cool. Yep. I love the, I mean, there's just, there's just something like, raw and, and powerful yeah. about, a, about a whiskey right. barrel that you, you want to, it's something you'd want to wear and then tell people about, right? You know, there's some watches yeah. you wear and you're like, yeah, just watch, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about. Um, so walk us through, I actually own the Koa Wood uh, watch. It's, oh, nice. It's like, black, it's black. That's why I got it because I, like, I wanted a black watch. I didn't have one. Nice. Um, but talk through some of the, some of the woods and, and what's been, successful and any, any lessons there, any, anything that's, that you've tried that wasn't successful. I think sometimes there are lessons there. Um, and then I also want to talk about your collector's pieces in a minute too. For sure. Andrew, you want to take it? Or? Yeah, I can, I can jump in just in regards to some of the best sellers, you know, we, we touched on it before, but definitely the reclaimed materials, things that have unique stories, the Hawaiian wood. that's our tribute piece to the Hawaii um, you know, we've, we've done some unique things with the wood, but as well with the steel, that's, that's a stonewashed steel, which is fairly, that's new to the market. That's something we essentially created. Um, that's supposed to embody like the lava rocks of Hawaii, you know, so it's got that stone accent on the steel, um, you know, just the different other yeah. materials, whether it be the military, I would say that that's been a fun collection. You know, obviously I'm really tied to that one, uh, con- considering my service, but that was something we learned, um, learned on, I would say, you know, although a very unique collection, we offered a ton of styles. You know, there was, there was five styles when we, we originally launched with, um, you know, different leather bands and one was gold, one was stonewashed. It's just, it's a lot. It's, there's a, one was reclaimed from pilot jackets. One was old, old. Interesting. Um, The the, the leather band was like from a bomber's jacket. Yeah. yeah, It came with the watch with the steel band. We had an additional leather band, you know, and it was just a lot to communicate to the customer rather than just triggering in this, this is, this is all, this is our, this is our pilot jacket, you know, reclaim series. Um, There's just a lot of communication and everything deserves a spot in the sun. And it was there, it was too much to describe. I think, you know, that was, that was a big learning lesson. So kind of narrowing down, um, so the so the pilot watch, the reclaimed bomber jacket, when that that didn't do as well, maybe as others, because the the story was just maybe maybe didn't didn't land. It was a little too com, com, complicated. 
I would say I would say we learned that a few a few a few styles did land, but we were we were pretty broad when we launched okay. that. Got it. And yeah, I think like from a marketing perspective, you know, like what Andrew's saying is we just you can't don't overcomplicate it, you know, maybe hone in on, you know, because consumers really can only take so much at a time. Sure. And I, yeah. I totally get that. I'm, we're, I'm the same way. Like I it's like, whoa, decision paralysis or whatever. And I'm like, I just need to like kind of understand what this is. But I mean, it was still been successful. We still have it in the lineup. We figured out which colorways and which stories resonated. But yeah, Reclaimed have, well, I wouldn't say obviously, but has been the most successful whiskey uh, today is our number one seller. It's also been around the longest, but you know, we're, we're trying to find that next whiskey barrel. It's like something we talk about in the office a lot and, you know, something else that they could even scale from a business perspective that, um, you know, maybe isn't so rare that it's just, you know, cause the cool thing about whiskey, the whiskey barrel thing, other than the fact that I do genuinely believe it's a cool story that a lot of people resonate, but it's an, in, it's a relatively endless supply of, of the material yeah. and it's sustainable because we're not having to go out and like cut down trees or anything. I mean, they're literally not saying that we do that anyway, but the whiskey barrels are, they're reclaimed from a, from a distillery in, in Kentucky. You know, they, they're done with the barrels. They've already aged the bourbon for four years and they, they don't know what to do with them because bourbon can't go back into a used barrel. That's actually the, the American law says that I think it's an old, old law from like hundred years ago. And so they just, don't know what to do with it. They're just like, wow. well, we could sell them to France for, which is what they do a lot of the time. Um, or we just kind of dispose of them. Wow. You know? Wow. So, so, so it's sustainable. Food. It's an amazing story and it's a super cool product. So, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, I, I, when I was there at your office, you know, I saw the, the watch made from, and you mentioned it, Andrew, the, the 1923 Yankee stadium seats and, one, I think, from from Fenway Park potentially. So, where did the idea for that come, and and how how did you market those? How how did you make those successful? I'll jump in. That's actually a beautiful story. You know, um, it actually ties back to an investor relationship that we're trying to build, and we actually just made him a one-off sample of the Yankee. We had ordered a chair on eBay, made him a one-off sample for his birthday. What what inspired you guys to order a chair off of eBay? Well, he, he was wearing Panor- he was wearing Panerai's every time we'd see him. He'd never wear original grain watch, and we're, but he was from New York, and so we're like, "Hey, can, so, how, so you how, bought the chair for the for this reason for this watch?" Dude, hey, there's some lessons there. Like you going after an investor, do something crazy, go buy a chair on eBay from Yankee Stadium. Okay, awesome, I'm super intrigued now. We we bought it, uh, made him a one off sample. I remember meeting him at the airport. He was literally flying to New York. Uh, met him at the airport, gave him the watch. He was kind of like, what the hell? Went home. But I think when he was sitting on the airplane, he was like, wow. He wrote an email and he was like, I can't wait to hand this down to my son. You know, I already picked this out for my my youngest. And it's like, wow, this is this is a... Become Chris's a, favorite son. This is... A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, timepieces are, you know, our heritage, they're meant to be passed down, you know, generationally. Yeah, and yeah. The fact we could create something that to- that had that much sentimental value. It was like, wow, you know, how do we tap into the emotions of the customer? And that that goes along with the reclaimed stories, you know, that we've created. But that's how the MLB thing had kicked off as a whole. We were just making a one-off sample, and then sooner or later, now it's like a whole MLB licensing program that we have that drops, you know, as you know, MLB starts, and then we have an um, as soon as a champion champion's crowned, we drop another watch. So those are those seasonal spikes we're able to also market um, and kind of get in front of people at the right time. So were you able to get more Yankee Stadium chairs after that? 
Well, actually, we signed a couple with the Cubs. The Cubs was really hard to get more. Um, the Yankees weren't too bad, but the, the sources are crazy. They always come, you know, we always, it all requires a certificate of authenticity and yes. you'll find, you'll find it's like a lot of construction guys will have them. And hmm. uh, so it's interesting sourcing some of that wood. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always, yeah. It's people who like worked on the, 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 like, so from Yankee stadium was rebuilt, you know, in 2009 yep. or whatever it was. And so the guys who have worked on the demolition and would have a lot of those chairs. Gra grab a chair on your way out, on your yeah. way home, man. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's crazy. So smart. And so you, so you took the idea and I think this is, man, what good, what a good entrepreneurial lesson. So you're trying to find a way, how do we break through the clutter? How do we get this potential investor to wear our watch and to think it's cool? You buy a chair, you make this watch and then you're like, and, and then his response is, holy cow, this is amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to my yeah. son. It's so meaningful. And then you think, ah, business opportunity. Let's uh, yeah. let's, let's capitalize let's, on let's this. Scale it a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so you guys went for Fenway Park as well, right? Or or was it? Uh... It was Wrigley. It was Wrigley and uh, Yankee Stadium, and then Fenway came next, and then we ended up doing the um, just reclaimed baseball bats, so that we could touch kind of the whole MLB. So we did a bunch of different teams, like fourteen teams last year. Uh, we have another collection coming out this year where we we're actually using Rawlings leather. So for the, they're going to be a leather-based watch. Uh, so, so, so the face of the watch will have the reclaimed baseball bat, and then the the band will be Rawlings leather. That is is yeah. wicked cool. Okay, yeah. kind of collector's pieces at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So any any other ideas or iterations that will come from that? I mean, that that seems like just a great next evolution. Uh, and, and as part of this. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is as we're kind of working with your company and helping to to grow it and market it is, you know, uh, while there's some people, and I would I would count myself in this crowd, we I like watches. I would be happy to own lots and lots of watches. Is part of the motivation here? How can we potentially sell more than one item to an individual customer? So you have some of these collector items where okay, now maybe I've got my whiskey barrel watch, which is my daily watch, but I'm a huge Kansas City Royals fan. So I'm going to buy the, the Royals watch as well. Was that, is that right. kind of the motivation there? Or is it more the, the MLB is a, a totally different market for you? Yeah, I think I can take that. I think it's, it's twofold. I definitely feel like the opportunity was for us to expand upon the success of uh, those small, those three teams, the Cubs, Yankees, and, and the Red Sox. And seeing Which is like that the that perfect ones to start with, by the way. They're the ones with the most you know, rabid fan bases and huge markets. That, that was super. Well, and we, and we've seen, and I think if you look at licensing, you know, uh, industry trend reports and stuff, you see that like the majority of the merchandise is sold in the mass, big market teams, Dodgers, for, for things sure. like LA, yep. you know what I mean? But, uh, and it starts to fall trickle down beyond that. But, uh, and we learned that, learned that lesson too, when we rolled out those 14 teams. So we're going to be a little, um, a few less teams actually on this, this 2020 version with, with Rawlings. But, um, yeah, and I think additionally to your point about just kind of retention and lifetime value on customers, like 100%, I think that's something in the watch category that is a tougher code to crack because we're not in like apparel or some other categories, beauty, consumable products, things like that, where you know they're, they're either want to they go from a t-shirt to jeans or another color. It's a little more affordable to begin with. The beauty that's consumable are watches. You know, a lot of people like to collect watches from multiple different brands. And right. so, but if we can suck them into our brand and we have a pretty good, I mean, what, Andrew, we're above 20%, I think on repeat purchase. So um, for your category you know, is outstanding. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. So, 
you know, finding more ways to your point, Brett, on, on, on how to, you know, increase LTV is I think something we're looking pretty hard at right now because we've got a pretty good base. And so, you know, right now in particular with COVID, it's like, that seems like our probably the best place to go right now, honestly. You I 100% know? agree. I think, you know, this is something I'm, I'm in a couple of different mastermind groups. Uh, shout out to Ezra Firestone and Blue Ribbon and yeah. also the guys at, at War Room. Uh, Ryan Dias and Perry Belcher and Roland Frazier, but they're there. We've, we've had several meetings lately just talking about, Hey, how do we handle, you know, the COVID-19 scare? How are we marketing? And I think a couple of things for people to keep in mind. One, there's still a lot of consumers out there that are doing just fine financially and, and they kind of want to buy something, right? So, yeah. so shopping is therapeutic, buying something. And, you know, in your case, you know, your, your product is a great gift item, you know, buying a gift for my, my spouse that makes me feel good. Like there's, there's something, don't just be quiet because you think you should be. Like there, people want to buy stuff. People want to feel normal as much as they can right now to a large degree. So, so reach out to your customers, do something unique, do something special, offer a discount yeah. to help people out, you know, stuff like that. So do you want to yeah. talk about anything you, you guys are doing now that, that's, that's relevant? Andrew, do you want to take, do you want to take that? We actually just yeah. had our leadership call with our team right before this at 11. And uh, we, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, we, we've been, uh, you know, coming up with a lot of creative ways, you know, how to connect with the audience, you know, and it, and it starts with customer care at this point, you know, that's top of mind, you know, and you, the, how you're going to represent yourself and, and during COVID is what people are going to, I believe, you know, and this is a factual, but I believe is how people are potentially going to remember you beyond mm-hmm. COVID, you mm-hmm. know, so not take, trying to take advantage of people by any means, um, you know, we're going to start inviting people into our own house. You know, we're going to be doing live interactions here, product demonstrations, uh, potentially Zoom meetings as well, similar to this. So the bringing, bringing people closer, you know, bringing in the family, customer care, uh, setting expectations through emails, handwritten letters, um, all that's so important. You know, um, there's a lot of confusion out there. Are people shipping? Are they not? Am I going to get my watch? You know, setting the expectation, I think, is probably one of, one of the most important uh, things and then just relating on a real level, you know, humanizing has always been important. Um, I think now more than ever, you know, and just being being comfortable with um, uncertain times. It's just it's it's crazy, you know. We've never went through this as a nation, but um, it's important, you know. So I, I I love seeing people get creative by doing the Instagram lives and um, you know inviting people in. So we're going to be doing a ton of that, you know, over the next few weeks. And yeah, we've been talking about that. I'm really excited about a lot of that, and then want to hear a little more about it. I think it's. Really important. If you can keep in mind that that one, yeah, people need that connection more now, now more than ever. They want it from a brand too. If you've got this authentic, cool brand, like you can still connect with someone in a meaningful way. And I think just as we approach as marketers, as as business people, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, if we're confident in the face of crisis, that does spill over, and that that creates a net positive impact. Yes, it's scary. Yes, there's bad things going on, but we will make it through, right? And I think, I think e-commerce will be better for it in the long run, and and some other things that are, yep. that are positive. So, you want to talk any more about yeah. the events and stuff that you're that you're doing, uh, Ryan? This sound really cool, like Instagram lives, and so you're going to do that yeah. from your from your houses, obviously. Yeah. Well, we were. I, I have to say, we know we were both at the office six feet away. Um, yesterday, <laughs> your brothers, you know, fine, your brothers, you know, uh, no Taylor, our VP, you know Taylor. She was like, you, "I want you guys to do these lives, but can you, can you guys be the, uh, but you guys can't be together." And I go, "Well, actually, we're together right now." <laughs> She's like, "Okay, well, that works. Yeah. Uh, we'll see." I mean, whether we are or we're not, I, I just, I'm, I'm super excited about 
about doing that. I've seen a lot of brands that I consider leaders in the industry for e-commerce, like take like an Everlane, for example. They just do such a good job as a whole. But they're, you know, their whole thing is about transparency. So they want to be transparent through this. And so we've kind of been like seeing what people are doing and we're like, man, we we were already planning to, but it's been really cool to see that those brands do it. So yeah, I'm excited about it. And I think it's kind of a little bit of a I think it's a good reminder, this whole thing to like not get back to basics, but remember some of those things that sometimes just start to fade, you know, and you're like, you know, let, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that our customers ever did, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about tapping into that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. There's also been this, I've heard a few people mention this, you know, we, we've come off of so many great years in a row. Yeah. Some of us can get kind of fat and happy, you know. I don't think that was happening a lot. You guys are hungry. We're, you know, as an agency, we're hungry, but it's like you can get comfortable with things. This is really forcing us to say, okay, we got we gotta be on our game, we gotta connect in a way we've never connected before. And and so I think that that's leading to some some good changes. Um, yeah. one thing I will mention, this is advice that I give all the time, is hey, if you want to see what people are doing right now, good markers, you mentioned Everlyn. Uh, Boom by Cindy Joseph, owned by Ezra Firestone. It's another good one. Get on those email lists. Go follow them on Instagram. Follow them on Facebook. See what they're doing. Do the same with you guys. So if you guys are getting ready to do some cool stuff, go to originalgrain.com. Sign up on the the email list so you can get get notified of stuff they're doing. Uh, Follow these guys on on Instagram. And actually, do do you want to talk about some of the ways people can connect with you? Yeah, just, you know, on our social, it's at originalgrain uh, website originalgrain.com. And as, as you mentioned, just, yeah, we're, we're sending out emails every couple of days and providing updates, whether on new products, as well as just the virtual um, live demonstrations that we're going to be doing. So you can sign up for those and, and be in the know. Yep. And I, and I think you guys do so many things well, but uh, you know, your video content is great. We're, we're doing, we're running uh, several of your videos on YouTube and they're doing well. Like there's just, there's a lot that I think someone can learn by checking out what, what you guys are doing. Um, so just maybe a yeah. couple things here is where we're kind of we're kind of uh, running up against time a little bit. But um, Ryan, you're showing the the automatic watch, and and that's yeah. got kind of a higher price point. So kind of your standard watches are in the three to four hundred dollar range, right? The collectors watches I know are more. You said the automatic, you have there's eight fifty. Was that was that kind of strategic? In into uh, obviously I know everything you do is, has a strategy behind it, but yeah. were you thinking again yeah. just yeah. raising the LTV, expanding into new markets? What was kind of the the thought process behind that? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing we've, you know, we've sort of always played in that like 250 to $400 range, um, you know, since we, since we launched. Um, so, we, you know, and what we didn't want to do was race to the bottom um, where it feels like a lot of the GTC or I want to say DTC, that's not, that's not right. But the more entry level products, regardless of being, direct consumer or digitally native or whatever are doing. Um, and so we want to stick to our guns, which is hard to do sometimes. I mean, let me tell you, it's, it is, it's, uh, yep. you know, and we run promotions and discounts and all that, but I think, you know, at least on an MSRP level, we didn't want to just start rolling out what watches at a hundred, 150 bucks um, and, and put ourselves down there. So yeah, I think it was strategic to kind of move up a little bit. We have a lot of watches coming out in that two fifty to four hundred dollar range this year, kind of right where our bread and butter is. But you know, when we hired Scott a year ago, he was like, he kind of helped us map out and kind of created this little matrix of like where we are in terms of style. Like, you, we didn't have a pilot watch. Andrew talked about that, so we wanted to do a pilot. But where does that fit in terms of price point? And we kind of, you know, if you just chart it out, you kind of see where there's some holes to fill and. Um, you know, I think from a merchandising perspective, it, it kind of rounds you out and 
you know, it allows the customer to see a little more breadth, you know, and I think as all marketers know, sometimes seeing a $400 watch paired against an $800 watch makes that $400 watch look more affordable. Um, So there's some, there's some strategy there for sure. I mean, our $850 automatic is same value in terms of the build and the movement, Um, you know, it being a Swiss automatic. So we priced that right. Um, Yeah. So I think that's kind of how we've, we've looked at our product roadmap. You know, I love that, and there is definitely something to be said. I, I think, and I, and I know some other merchants that do this, where they they create some really high priced offerings, almost with with like the primary goal of creating less resistance for their core offer, right? So, sure. and yep. for you guys, it sounds like the eight hundred fifty dollars watches is a great it's a great offer. It's a fantastic yeah. watch, but it's also it, and you mentioned it, it's going to make your core product feel more and be perceived more as more valuable. So that, that's awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Cool, cool. So we're, yeah, we're doing a lot in terms of refreshing watches this year too. So taking some of our old best sellers, which is a little scary. So Tanner and I laugh sometimes we're like, you know, cause you've got this good thing going, you don't want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we want it. We, we just believe in product at the end of the day. I've, I've always been a product is king guy and I just want our product to always get better. And so if we can do that, like I'm gonna, we're gonna do it. Andrew and I are like aligned on that. So we want to raise the tide on that new barrel line that he's wearing, like number one selling watch. And we changed it. I mean, it still pays homage to the original design, sure. but it's risky. It, right? And it's a risky better product. A yeah. Yeah, but it's risky. Yep. Yeah. So, so can, can you guys give any insights on on what you do? So so anytime you're mm-hmm. you're innovating and creating and making something brand new, it's risky. It's risky. Like, will will the market embrace this? And you guys talked about some of the, in the military line where some was maybe too complex and didn't land and others did. How do you guys approach that product design piece? Do you, do you get a lot of feedback along the way from a lot of different people or is it more like you're just bringing in kind of your, your artist, like your, your version of Johnny Ive from Apple, like you guys are maybe just doing it or what, what does that look like? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit. I know Ryan, Ryan's super involved as well with the, the product design, but you know, we had our, Ryan and I had our own method about two years ago. And then as soon as we hired on Scott, our head designer now, the process has changed so much, you know, and it's been beautiful to work next to him to really understand how someone re- approaches a, a design. He doesn't just jump in and start drawing, you know, he's pulling in so much inspiration amongst the community. Um, what is this watch? Wh- what is the reason for this watch? You know, whether it fits in certain buckets um, and bringing in examples of different different collections that embody that, you know, to 3D printing, you know, different sizes, you know, we'll, we'll 3D print it in four different sizes, check before it even goes to the supplier, you know, and, and that's sped up some of our production lead time, um, the amount of back and forth between samples. Um, so to really work side by side with a real designer has definitely changed the game for us um, because our approach before was fairly, you know, I've never, Ryan and I designed a watch on a train ride <laughs> on the way to a supplier. And that's a real story. <laughs> like that's, that's a real thing. That's fairly unprepared. <laughs> we, we have that finished sample. It actually just showed up the other, like a few months ago and everyone's like, why don't we make this watch? And right now it's like, there's no way. We're, it's like a really retro watch that we had designed, you know, literally on, on, the train <laughs> on a train. That's so, awesome. It's a mess, you know, so our, our process has changed a lot over the years and, um, at the end of the, because we brought in really good people around us, you know, that that goes towards our marketing process all the way to design, you know, and um, that's kind of my bit on that. Love it. Love it. And and are you, how much are you looking for 
is is this so whatever wood whatever design we use so, so the automatic is inspired by the the GT you know iconic race car you got the MLB connection military connection whiskey barrel you know are are you how much is the the potential story how much is that influencing what what you decide to build next you kind of start with story or does story kind of evolve as you go or or what does that look like that's a good question. So I think sometimes it, it does vary. So like at times we just look at incorporating a cool material or reclaimed material into an existing, as I would call it, platform or silhouette, right? So maybe for an existing watch silhouette and we just take the material and we integrate it into that design. So the design's already kind of, it, it lives and it breathes and it's there. At other times, you know, if it's a completely new, uh, let's take the Pilot, for example, it's a new product that's rolling out in July. We knew we wanted to, that's, a, that's an aesthetic. And so Scott, to Andrew's point, is pulling a ton of inspiration. It's what he does. He's been doing for a decade. So he understands how to, how to approach that project, and, but with an OG twist on it, right? And so he's looking at, at that first and then how he can incorporate some sort of material element into that. So for us, there's two versions. There's a wood story version. And that's, um, that, that's using the types of material type of wood that planes actually were made i mean planes there's like a really cool air and space museum here in san diego and we went and toured it and it's phenomenal anyway all the planes you know were, were made out of wood in the 20s and 30s so yeah like yeah 40s. It's, imagine flying in that this you know You're just like sneaking um, out parts of a wing put it in your pocket as you head out and like <laughs> yeah i'm like cutting a little <laughs> off and uh so he'll find ways to incorporate that into the into the design and and you know he's looking at tolerances you know because we're talking about small thin pieces of wood and, and that's a that's a challenge from a manufacturing perspective so he's looking at that and how thin he can go and how it you know so yeah i think it's there's kind of two ways to go about it and and it all varies based on kind of the project and what the goal is um nice. you know from the start yeah it seems like one, one thing you guys have done really well and then maybe we'll, this will kind of be the our, our final topic as we wrap up but Seems like you know you guys are really bright dudes, and and you you uh, are are innovative, and you have that entrepreneurial spirit. It seems like you kind of do something on your own, and you kind of kind of learn it and do it, and do it well. But then at some point, you bring on somebody, you know, like like a professional yeah. de- designer like Scott, or yeah. you've brought on some you know internal teams, you know, like 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 James and other guys that are just you know. Uh, guys and gals that are awesome. Uh, I- any thoughts there? Like in- any advice that you would give to other e-commerce store owners? Like when when does it make sense to do something yourself versus bringing you know hiring an expert versus outsourcing to an expert? In- in- any insights on that? I mean, I, lo- I you know this is int- I speak for myself in this. Ryan does an amazing job managing the team on the day to day. You know, I really love setting the foundation. You know, and and expectation for whatever that task may be. You know, that, that comes from being a founder and a little bit of founderitis that Ryan and I both probably carry. But, you know, setting the expectation, setting the platform, kind of the SOPs, and then allowing people to jump in, you know, the challenge for myself has really just been continuing to forge forward, you know, and, and not managing that person, on, you know, getting the reporting correctly. You know, that's been something that we've had to learn along the way. It's our first, my first business. So it's like, um, but also just forging forward and continuing to bring in newer business or new ideas rather than sitting back and, you know, helicoptering over somebody you've already tasked out um, to, to do what the foundational job is. So I think that's something that I, I definitely struggled with over the last year as, as we built our team out was like, okay, kind of letting go and, and being able to, you know, really you know, 
but but the same Ryan and I just had this conversation like wow we should we should probably have our team you know produce these reports for us because we're not getting those reports unless we log in which you got to let go so um, there's been a lot of learning lessons I think over this business just kind of like understanding how to manage people what type of reporting you want to, you want presented to you so you can really make a fine decision you know um, you, you kind of do need to get still maintain in the weeds a little bit but you, you need someone to produce those reports for you I know that's something that like has been big for me the last few months. I love it. I love it. Any thoughts on that, Ryan, in terms of managing a team, bringing on experts, kind of that that evolution? I think Andrew kind of hit the nail on the head and we're both different, good at different things. I think that's why it works works so well. And we're looking at starting other businesses, you know, and I, we'll, we want to partner on those as well because we both have different strengths. Andrew's a great, op- Andrew's a really good operator and he knows how to like get, set the foundation and get, get shit done. Like he's really good at that. I'm not so much, I can't really do a ton of, I mean, I can, but I, I struggle to like get that initial like task stuff done. I'm thinking more like long-term big picture. And so it's a really good balance um, that we, that we bring. And um, Andrew, I think is, a, I think we're both good people, people, persons, but Andrew does a really good job uh, of that as well. So, um, but yeah, I think I, I love to do, everything and it's it's a it's a double-edged sword I, you know you laugh bricks it's so hard to let go i mean it, it is, oh my it is. Gosh. You know? but you have to like you to, to reach to reach new levels you have to let go of certain things and yeah and learning that balance of how do i how do i coach and manage and and you know inspect what i expect and things like that it's, 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 it's difficult like story, those yeah. are some transitions for sure we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I, you know, I've seen your team yeah. in action. Uh, compliments to you guys. You built a great team and they're, they're operating at a high level. So that's really cool. And then, you know, one of the things that I'll kind of just wrap up on my final comment about you guys is I, I love that you're, you're always on the a quest to make the watches better. Like how do we do something new? Yeah. How do we do Let's not just leave the whiskey barrel collection as it is. How do we make the next iteration and make it better? And that, yeah. that drive to create the next better thing you know, not everything is going to work, but but you're going to find things that do work and that do resonate, yep. and, and that's gonna that's gonna lead to long term success. So it's love really that. Exciting. Well, yeah. cool, fellas. Well, hey, any any other asks or any anything else you'd you'd share with people? So we got you know, check out the website, sign up on social, follow these guys, see what they're doing. Any other asks or or any final thoughts or comments here as we wrap up? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Go buy a Andrew watch, guys. Seriously, website. like you, you'll be yeah, way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> buy one for yeah, yourself. Cool. Buy one for your significant other. Go get a watch. Uh, I recommend it. So we're actually doing a. That's a perfect plug for our our next month sale. It's our seven year anniversary next month, and so oh, cool. which is crazy. And and uh, we're going to be doing a founder uh, kind of founder anniversary sale. And it's we're actually going to do some sort of buy one get one um, in these times. So you kind of hit the nail on the head for that. So cool. Yeah. Perfect. All right, we'll link we'll link thanks, to the man. show notes. Yeah, Ryan, Andrew, thanks, fellas. This was this was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you, Brett. All right, very good. Well, as always, we would love to hear from you. We would love to get that review on iTunes if you feel so inclined. Uh, and with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, it's wrap. Hey, that was really fun. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, 
if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.